This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Praise God. Never despise the day of small beginnings. You know, when God puts things and dreams within your heart, they may start out seemingly insignificant, but I'm telling you what, he's able. Hallelujah. You think about our church, I mean, you know, we were just a small little group of people, 34 of us, first Sunday, you know, that people showed up, and uh, my, after 40-some years, a lot has changed. And we were in some people's house. You know, they had a big old living room onto this house. Well, it grew to about 50, maybe maybe 55, I don't know, but there was no room. I mean, there was just no room. I mean, any of your living rooms hold 55 people? You know, so they were kind of like in this parlor, and, you know, and so we had to move. <clears throat> so a couple had just built a home, and they had a full basement, you know, downstairs in this, and they invited us. They said, come and have your church in our, and what's weird about it is they were still attending uh, a different church, but they invited the church to come to their house. It's wild. And I can remember the day we left, we were there for eight months, and the day we left, they stood shoulder to shoulder uh, uh, with one another on the sidewalk and cried when we left. Because you know, wherever the blessing of God is, people get blessed. Amen? You know? And uh, so it was, a, it was quite a deal. We moved up here into the building where the uh, offices and the uh, youth uh, facility is. And we didn't have nothing. I mean, we didn't have much of anything. Took everything we had to try to heat the place, and even then it was inadequate. I mean, we still froze. People came to church, you guys, with winter coats on, and they had these pump pots. You remember those pump pots? They'd sit it right by their chair, drink coffee, just try to stay warm. You know, it was in boots. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so you ought to get happy. Here you are, you know. Everything's wonderful. So you never can despise the beginning days, some of you are starting off new in marriage and different things like that. Some of you have been married for a while, but, you know, I tell you what, God has good things for all of us, doesn't he? Amen. So we can be thankful for that. You got to get up every morning, just thank him. I didn't say life was perfect. I didn't say you didn't, you know, face some challenges, but we are of all people most blessed. Amen. So did you bring a Bible with you this evening? Let's open our Bibles together. If you brought a device or whatever it is you use, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to welcome all of you that perhaps are watching uh, online. We're delighted you can be with us. Hope you got a Bible as well. And if you can, get all the distractions out of the road so that you can pay attention and uh, listen to what's going on. I was talking to my, do- my granddaughter today, and she was talking about her, her daddy, you know, getting ready to preach on Sunday. She says, well, you know, I try not to interrupt him, but he's so cute. No. And Grandma made our granddaughter mac and cheese for supper, and she informed me, well, she was waiting for me. I was trying to get around and get ready, and so I came out, you know, so I could have some macaroni and cheese with her. She, uh, she said, yeah, she says, this right here takes a lot of skill, you know, and... Uh, I said, oh, really? Yeah. 
Grandma, she had to be really fast, and it takes skill. So, <laughs> Amen. So it's good. Thank God for kids. Amen. You know, just, uh, just their innocence and uh, just their genuineness. Uh, it's just awesome. Praise God. All right. <clears throat> well, my wife and I, we've been away for a little bit. I got to tell you, it was a lot of fun. I went down to <clears throat> Branson, watched a couple shows, didn't get to go to Sight and Sound and see Jesus, which was a bummer. I don't know. For some reason or another, they think those people ought to be able to have a vacation too. So the whole show was shut down, you know. So I guess we'll have to go back. Praise God. But we did have a great time and uh, just always goes too fast. How many of you have noticed vacations go too fast? Yeah, they sure do. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, let's bow our heads together for just a moment. Let's pray and just prepare our hearts to receive tonight. Father, we love you so much. Glory to God. We're so grateful, Father God, for what you've done and are doing within the body of Christ. We thank you, Father, for your giftings upon men and women that have been anointed, Father, by the Spirit of God to... Bring forth that which is, well, that which proceeds from heaven. And so we thank you, Lord God, for your grace and the gifts that you've given to the church and to the body of Christ. God, may we, may we honor and esteem and respect those things that you have given to us as gifts to us. And so, Father, we thank you for your grace and blessing tonight. We're also thanking you, Father, for your word its entrance into our lives gives light, illumination. It is truth. And so we just thank you, Father, for your blessing here for these moments we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> uh, in Second, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 10, um, I'm just going to kind of break in on the middle of Paul's conversation here. Um, in verse 3, he said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And I want you to note the word war. I don't know if any of your Bible translations would uh, say something different than that. Anyone? No? So, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. He goes on to explain for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations or reasonings, and every high thing that exalts itself, now listen, against the knowledge of God. Everybody say God's word is true. God's word is true. So it's talking about here the weapons of our warfare not being carnal, but mighty through God to pull down strongholds. And he describes these as reasonings, imaginations the King James uses, the way we think, casting down imaginations or reasonings that what? Exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. 
You know, a lot of folk in the world today, they don't think they need God. I got news for you. Every one of them does. You know, the Bible has, it says in the book of Proverbs that a, a fool says in his heart, there is no God, you know? And so there's people, you know, that don't believe in God, you know? Well, this scripture here says, praise God, that we're to cast down every reasoning and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and then having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So I guess essentially what he's saying is, is once you get your mind renewed to the Word of God, you're still going to have to deal with the onslaught of doubt and unbelief, of lies and all kinds of things that come your way. So that's why we need to be lifelong learners, students of the Bible. Praise God. You know, the Bible says to let the Word of Christ dwell in you. How? Richly, abundantly. Hallelujah. The Bible says that you're to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you. So the Word of God has to dwell in us richly. Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You'll ask what you will, and it'll be done unto you. So God's living word, which again is the truth. It doesn't matter what people have conjured up in their ways of thinking. It doesn't matter whatever religious road that somebody's went down to try to fit the scenario that best meets their needs or suits them or whatever. It doesn't matter about any of that. You know, there's doctrine, there's theology, there's all kinds of stuff that's absolutely messed up. And the reason being is because men got involved. You know what I'm saying? But thank God we've got his word. And his living word, praise God, just like the Bible says, will set you free. But you've got to hold, to hold it to you dearly and carefully. And uh, <clears throat> I think sometimes... Uh, that probably is a problem with a lot of folk is, is that when it comes to esteeming God's word, a lot of times people are haphazard, I guess, maybe the way to describe that. I don't know. Uh, in, indifferent, maybe. Uh, not placing much of a priority. I mean, I'm telling you guys, the Bible is your life. The word of God is your life. And if you, st if, you, if you veer from it, you get away from it. And lots of, lots of Christians have. Dude, there's, there's people, they're not opening their Bible. They're not looking in the book. They're not getting in the book. The book's not getting in them. You know? They're just doing whatever it is that they do. And it's really sad because you know what? We owe Jesus our life. We, we owe him everything that we are. And so it would behoove us, obviously, to give consideration to that. But, you know, we live in a world that's filled with temptations and all kinds of things, and all this stuff is designed for one reason and one reason only, and that is to crowd God out of your life. And so you end up with godless people. And when you have godless people, then you have all kinds of sin and wrongdoing, and, and you have the problems that we see going on, you know, that... <clears throat> All, everything that you see going on in the world today is because of ungodliness. People have no longer chosen to retain God in their knowledge, and so God has given them up to what is referred to in the Bible as a reprobate mind, a mind that is void of judgment. 
I mean, sometimes we hear stuff, you know, in the news, and you can't even make this stuff up. You know, you ask yourself, how in God's green earth could they come up with that? Well, the devil helps them. And so consequently, a lot of things end up being pretty strange when you look at it. But thank God for the word, amen? That's, what, that's our anchor. That's our compass. That's what holds us steady. That's what keeps us, amen? Regardless of what people say or think or do or whatever it is that they want to do, thank God you've got his word, amen? And uh, you want to be part of the remnant that's holding on to it, amen? You know, I think about that, you know, about remnant. That just, you know, means there's going to be a portion, but it's, it's, not, it's not the higher percentage. You, you, you with me? There's a greater percentage of people that, that forsake and this and that and the other. Well, thank God you don't have to be one of them. I said you don't have to be one of them. So everybody say, I'm not going to be one of them. No, you're not going to be one of them. Praise God. We're going to live for God. We're going to wait for the, the coming of the king. Hallelujah. When the trumpet blasts, glory to God, you're going to be one happy camper. And you can, say, you can thank me later. You know, pastor, he, he encouraged me on. Hallelujah. And I wouldn't do anything else. I want to talk to you this evening about understanding your enemy. Understanding your enemy. Why is that important? Well, because first of all, a lot of folk don't even know they have an enemy. Number two, the enemy that they think is their enemy isn't their enemy at all. And you have to understand and know your enemy. When I was a kid growing up in high school, Carrie and Alan, we, we played football together. And uh, during the week, uh, they would send someone to wherever the next team we were going to play. They'd send them to the, wherever they were playing, and they would take notes, and they'd diagram, and they'd do all kinds of things and watch the plays that they played. And then, then they would come back, and they would report. And they would tell us, you know, they're real strong here. This guy, he's got wheels, you know, or whatever the case might be. You can't let this happen, so on and so forth. In other words, they were, they were out, you know, looking for intelligence on the next game or team that we were going to play. The three, first three years of our high school uh, experience in football, we were 27-0. and 0. We played nine games a year, never lost one. Now, I can't say it went so well when we were seniors, but uh, um, we had uh, – phenomenal uh, coach and coaching, but we knew our opponent so that when it came game time, we were, we were ready to rock and roll, okay? Now, again, I mentioned to you, sometimes people, you know, they think their boss is their enemy. They think their spouse is their enemy. They think, you know, the government is their enemy or whatever. That'd be like all of us lining up on, at a football game, and the other team, the opposing team is on offense, we're on defense. And when the ball gets snapped, instead of going after the guy who has the football, we all just run to the sideline and waste every cheerleader that's there. Now, that would be strange. And then when we got done with that, we'd go over and hit the other ones, the other cheerleaders on the opposing team. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people, they, they engage themselves in these battles that they have no business being in, you know? And it, it's, it's up here. And so we need to understand and learn these things. Um, <clears throat> the Bible makes it clear that we have an enemy. I mentioned to you before, you know, there's some, there's some preachers standing in pulpits saying that there is no literal devil 
All that Satan or the devil represents is the evil that is in the world, but there isn't an entity who is called Satan. Well, one of two things. They've either neither read their Bible or they don't believe what's in the Bible because it's everywhere. The Bible says to be sober, vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So you got an enemy. Are you with me? I was watching not long ago, I was watching Patent. You know, George C. Scott, he, he won an Academy Award for playing in this role. And he was General Patton in the World War II deal. And he was a piece of work, this guy. He was a three-star general, but he got the job done. And he was a tank uh, commander. And there was a guy by the name of Erwin Rommel, who was uh, part of the Third Reich and the Germans. And he also was a, ta a tank commander. And so he knew that he was going to end up, you know, having to do battle with this guy. And so in one of the scenes, you see where he's in bed. Well, actually, he's in bed all right. But uh, the, there's a book that's laying on the nightstand, and it's called The Tank in War. And it was written by this Rommel. He was reading his book. And the reason he was reading his book is because he wanted to figure out what makes that guy tick. And so, of course, they got into a, you know, a, 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 a theater of war. And uh, before it was over with, Patton pretty much just obliterated it. And, when, and part of the scene was, is, is that in the end, you know, he got all excited and said, I read your book, you know, because he knew what he was going to do. So I'm just telling you, praise God, you need to get your act together when it comes to your adversary and, and know who he is, know that he's defeated, know the weapons that he uses, the schemes, the tactics that he, you know, uses in the world so that you will not be taken in by whatever it is that he's attempting to do. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Now, again, the Bible tells us, makes it clear that we are in a conflict, a spiritual battle, you know, we just got done reading this scripture here. You know, though we walk in the flesh, we're not warring. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not earthly, natural, but they are mighty through God to pull down strongholds, casting down imaginations or reasonings, because the battleground is your brain. And if you haven't gotten the book, you ought to buy one from Joyce or find one from Joyce Meyer. The Battleground of the Mind. It, huh? Battlefield. It is, it is, it's outstanding. And it'll help you understand what it is that's going on within your life. And then, of course, in Ephesians 6 and 10, you know, one final word that Paul wanted to get to the church there at Ephesus is to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, listen so that you can stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high and heavenly places. For example, a lot of people, they give themselves over to strife-filled situations frequently. 
And what they don't realize is they play exactly into the hand of the enemy when they do it. Because what you say and your behavior sets the course for where your life is going to go. And see, the Bible says when Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, a servant of the Lord must not strive. So strife can't be an option in your life as a believer. You can't yield to that and expect a positive or a good outcome. Are you with me? But again, you know, you see people all the time. And, and the, here's the thing. Think about this with me, you guys. When Jesus came, he gave his life as a ransom for us. And, and, and when he did so, he opened the door for salvation to be ours. And not only that, but there took place a regeneration of our inner, inner, inner man to be born of the Spirit of God, to be born again, to become a new creation. So when Paul was writing, <clears throat> excuse me, to the church there in Ephesus, he said, you know, that <clears throat> uh, he was talking about the gifts that had been given to the church and for the benefit, edification of, of the body of Christ, for the work of the ministry and edification of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith unto a mature man, it says perfect in King James, but a mature man not being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and the slight of men, whereby, you know, with cunning craftiness they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him who is the head, even Christ. God wants you to grow up. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a, uh, um, a negative kind of way. I, I mean that in a very real and a very positive way. Because another place when Paul was writing, he said, I'm praying that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, what's the opposite of a person who's wise? A person that's foolish. So he's praying and asking God to give you a spirit of wisdom so that when it comes to dealing with the affairs of life, you're wise about it. That is not a prudent idea. That is not a good thing for me to be involved in. That is not a conversation that I want to have with anybody. You know, you're, you're with me. See, when you, start, when you start recognizing that these are tactics and things that the devil tries to draw people into, it's a divide and conquer thing, dude. That's all there is to it. He wants to just drive a wedge in, and, and you know as well as I do, when he does it, they're destroyed. You with me? I was just talking with someone here recently, and uh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, yeah, maybe it'll come to me here in a minute, but I was just, they were talking, oh, uh, we were talking to um, um, some people about um, homeownership and things of that nature, and they were talking about in the context of this one association of homes and people and living there and things like that, the biggest reason for people, you know, having to uh, move or sell or whatever is divorce. You know, they, they're together, and then everything goes sideways, and now they're splitting up the assets and trying to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their life. Divide and conquer. If I get a couple, I get their kids, 
You, you know, a lot of people, well, you know, these kids are resilient. Dude, I don't care who you are. I don't care what kid you are. When people go through divorce, everyone loses. No matter what the reasons. I mean, you can, you can, you can chase that, that dog and that tail all day long. It's from hell. Are you with me? And it is intended to kill, steal, and to destroy. So if you're having problems in your relationship, it would behoove you to get some counsel and find out what it is you need to do to fix the problems that, that exist with it. They are fixable. You know, a lot of folk, you know, they think, well, no, you know, there's no, it's no use. Well, there is a use. And I'm not saying that a person or two people should stay together for the quote-unquote sake of the kids, all right? Why don't we just figure out what the problem is and fix it and lay down our lives? And I can tell you right now, you know, at the end of the day, for the most part, the reason that people have problems and end up in the situations that they do relationally is because of selfishness. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I've loved you. Well, how did he love us? He gave his life for us. Amen. Well, they don't deserve it, and they're this, and they're that. Well, you lose. You know, as long as you keep going down that path, you are not walking in the wisdom of God. And I know there's pain, and, and I know that there's, there's, there's so much hurt and things of that nature, but I'm telling you what, we, we, we serve a miracle-working God, and he can remove it if you will allow him, if you will put yourself into his hands and say, God, you got to fix me because I'm broken. Are you with me? A lot of folk won't do that. They'll allow pride to keep them where they are, and they'll live out their days, you know, however it is that they, they, they do it. Woo! What do you think so far? <clears throat> We're talking about knowing who our enemy is, you know, and... Um, um, thank God the good news. Here's the good news. You ready for the good news? Our enemy's been defeated. Thank you, Jesus. Not going to be, but he is. But you have to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. You can't be stupid. There are things within the Christian life and our walk with him that are very tactical, they're very strategic, they're very intentional. And a lot of Christians, um, they, they're too whimsical, if that's the right word to put on it. You know, it's, oh, well, you know, what's the big deal? Well, it's a big deal. Are you with me? And I'm not saying that, you know, we have to go down through life, you know, and we're just all, you know, so tight we squeak. You understand what I'm saying? But you got to be smart. Huh? You got to be smart. Hallelujah. So, <clears throat> you know, uh, we just have to be responsible to use the weapons that have been afforded us and engage the enemy with the force and the authority that's been granted to us by the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, there is so much, you know, when you look historically in knowing what happened, there is so much 
um, insight into what it is that took place. If we will read the Bible, we can find out exactly what happened. We can find out the plan that God implemented in the coming or sending of his son and why it is that he has done what he's done so that you and I can be free. But we, I mean, we've got a lot of understanding with regard to the fall of Adam. You know, what God said uh, with regard to that and what he implemented and then to walk in the light of his word. Hallelujah. See, if you'll do what the Bible says, I guarantee you, praise God, he'll bring you out of your mess. He'll raise you up. He'll lift you out. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing that he cannot do and bring you out of if you'll believe him. Hallelujah. You know, of course, you got to believe that. Right. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so the key, I suppose you could say, is believing the truth that's found in the Bible and then walking in the light of that or faith, you know, as to what it is that's been declared and uh, revealed. See, sin was the problem or sin is the problem. Sin is disobedience to God by definition. When people disobey God, when the Bible tells you that you're not to be a fornicator, when the Bible tells you that you shouldn't be in adultery, when the Bible says that you shouldn't be in homosexual or lesbian types of relationships, um, that's the truth, okay? Now, a lot of folk, they don't like the truth, and they're doing everything they can to stamp it out, but I tell you what, you can't stamp the truth out. Okay, and culture, you know, has has bought into all of this. Uh, I could call it nonsense, but at the end of the day, it's really just sin, because it's a violation of the laws of God. And so people will shake their fist at him like he has no right to tell them what to do. Well, he does have a right. He created you, you know. And uh, but again, a lot of folk they don't they don't want to listen to that. And and here's the unfortunate thing about it is that with sin comes the curse. I mean, it, it, it comes. You, you can't, there's, it, disobedience has a consequence. You with me? And it's called the curse. And uh, <clears throat> I'll give you a good example. It's a very simple one. Adam and Eve, when they were created, God formed them out of the dust of the ground, lifted them up, breathed the breath of life into them, and they became a living soul. And he made them male and female. And he said, have dominion and take care, you know, enjoy the garden. That tree right over there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is, is, is my tithe. In other words, that belongs to me. And he said, don't partake from it. And this is what he said. If you do, you will die. Okay. Guess what? They died. Now, they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually in that they were separated from God, and eventually it affected their mortality. They were Im immortal, created to live forever until sin entered into the world and then death by sin. So he said, if you disobey, you will die. The thing you have to understand, you guys, is the devil is a liar. Look with me real quick, if you would. Turn over to Genesis chapter 3. And uh, we're talking about understanding or knowing our enemy. And we have ample 
ample, 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 ample things in the Word of God (coughs) to tell us, excuse me, I'm sorry here, to tell us about who our enemy is. Now notice in verse 1 of the third chapter. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, yes, has, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now she's okay so far because he didn't say you couldn't eat of every tree of the garden. But that's the way the devil will, will do. He'll start out with about a half-truth and get people going. So the woman said in verse 2, she said, well, we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, uh, verse 4, and the serpent said to the woman flat out, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened and you'll be as gods. They, all re- they already were as God. huh? That you'll be as gods knowing good and evil. So, you know, what the devil did is he just said, you know, there's other options besides what God has said. That, that, that's essentially what he was doing. To lure them into disobedience. There are other options and, and uh, alternatives, you know, that are available to you uh, that God is, is not making you aware of. Yeah, God knows that when you eat, you'll, you'll be as God's. In other words, he's hiding something from you. <clears throat> there is, um, <laughs> It's like he's saying there's more meaning to your life, you know, than, than um, uh, receiving and revealing God's love and uh, being dependent with faith and obedience. In other words, you could be your own God. All you got to do is take a bite. And she did. And he did. And it was disastrous. And we're still paying for it. The devil is a liar. You know, he'll tell people all the time, well, you know, your problem is them. If it weren't for them, then you wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't be having this and that and the other, you know. You know what I'm saying? Happens all the time. And if you listen to it long enough, pretty soon you'll be convinced and you'll start talking. And pretty soon after that will come action. Yes, we are engaged in a battle, and there is a warfare that, that, that is taking place that you and I have to make sure that we're careful about the way we walk. Uh, I'll tell you, this is a simple thing, but it's powerful. When Joan and I uh, first got married, one of the things that we recognized is that when we get in the company of other couples and things, um, we would find um, that a lot of times, um, well, I think they use the word snarky now. <laughs> I'd call it sarcasm. And one of the things when we would uh, 
leave a gathering or, you know, where we were with others, we'd have this conversation, and she is the one that really initiated this, and she said, you know, that, that sarcasm is so unhealthy, and so we need to make sure that that never becomes a part of our relationship. Sarcasm for the most, I mean, you know, it can start out in fun, but it can grow into something really ugly. Are you with me? And that's essentially, you know, the way it, it, it manifests itself. And then it be, and the truth of the matter is, this is demonic. You know, whenever you, you know, demean, you know, someone, um, it's, it's a bad path. Are you with me? You know? Um, so anyway, enough about all that. Um, so here's the thing. The way you combat lies is with the truth. Everybody say the truth will set you free. You got, here's the thing, you guys. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to believe what the Bible says, okay? You, you can't allow human reason. Well, no, I'm not so sure about, you know, now, uh-uh, no. Well, careful. See, Jesus told a bunch of a group of people that believed on him, they said, he said, if you'll continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you what? Free. Well, a, 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 a group of them said, well, listen, we are Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to anyone. Well, you know what? God doesn't care about your pedigree. Are you with me? That's not what makes you righteous. That's not what makes you free. It's the truth that makes you free. You know, and so they're, they're going down this path of, you know, who they are from a heritage standpoint. And he said, whoever serves sin is a slave to it. That's why I said that the, that the son will set you free from it. Everybody say, thank God. I've been set free. Yeah, as a child of God, Jesus has set you free. Are you with me so far? It's important for us to understand these things. But, but the real challenge is just getting people to believe the Bible. You know? Not, not religious thinking. Not some kind of far-out weird theology. You know? Um, but, but the truth of the Bible. Uh, Bill Johnson, he uh, wrote in one of his books... Uh, I can't remember what the title of the book was, but he said, when you believe the lie, you empower the liar. So that's why everything has to be viewed through the lens of God's living word. Remember the text that we used earlier? It said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God. When Jesus was tempted those three times, every time he judged what had come to him by hell in its temptations through the lens of it is written. Isn't that right? So the word becomes the standard through which we judge everything that's going on where our lives are concerned. You know, a lot of people, they, they have difficulties and challenge with worry 
um, anxiety, uh, fear, um, different things of that nature. Quite naturally, you know, in the world in which we're living, there's, I mean, I guess you could say there's a lot of things to be afraid of. But here's the thing that the Bible says. God has not given you, child of God, the spirit of fear, but love power and a sound mind. Are you with me? And when you talk about anxiety or care or anything of that nature, you know, uh, the same thing holds true. You know, God wants us to live in peace. He said, I'm going to give you my peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you, but my peace I'm going to give to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. But what happens? We look at what's going on. We see this, that, and the other. And we don't trust in what he said that he would take a father's place and that he would care for us. Are you with me? Now, there's no indictment, you know, against any of us that are, you know, involved in all of this. But, but, but let's learn. Say, no, 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 I'm not biting on that one. Thank God he's my father. He'll take a father's place. He'll see to it. He'll take care of me. I don't care what happens. He's going to take care of me. Why? Because he said he would. Huh? Didn't he say that? He said, you just seek first the kingdom of God and, and my righteousness, and all these things will be what? They'll be added to you. But you have to believe that. And again, a lot of times people don't. Well, can't you see what's going on? Can't you see? Can't you see? Can't you see? Well, <clears throat> sometimes I choose not to look. Not because I'm trying to stick my head in the sand, as some might accuse me of, but the, but the reality is, is that, that if I don't have to sit there and dwell on it and meditate and think about it and all that, I'm miles ahead, aren't I? Okay. I mean, you know, if you live out on an island, some paradise island, you got all your needs met and everything. I mean, you're eating coconuts and bananas and whatever. I don't know, whatever it is you're eating. I mean, you'd be out there on that island in some paradise type circumstance and all hell can be breaking loose around you. You don't even know anything about it. It's like, what war? What are you talking about? You know? Now, again, some folk would say, well, you're just, you know, you're being an idiot. Well, okay, just let me be one by myself then, will you? You know? Because um, all of the fussing and all of the fighting and all of the fear and all of the worry and all of the anxiety... He said, which of you, by taking anxious thought, can add any height to your stature? In other words, is this going to do you any good? The answer is no. But the devil, I mean, he is on full tilt right now. You know, and, and Jesus said all these things would come to pass. Men's hearts failing. You know, the suicide rates amongst so many people is out the roof. Isn't that right? Men's hearts failing and for fear of the things that are coming on the earth. If I didn't know Jesus, I'd be afraid too. Scare the hell out of you. No question about it. But when you know him, you don't have to worry about a thing. You know, you think about Jesus. He was our model. He says, I've given you this example. Well, what was it? I mean, this guy is walking around in a culture and a society of people that literally want to kill him. 
They want to murder him. Why don't you turn to John chapter 8 again? I, I think that maybe we ought to back up and look at this real quick. I'm going to run out of time here. Hmm. Imagine that. John chapter 8. Here he is in this environment, you know, that, I mean, most people, I mean, um, they would leave. They, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't stay. But he told his own disciples, you know, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he said, aren't there, aren't there 12 hours in the day? If a guy will walk in the light, he said, you won't have any problems. And so they went back, you know, because the disciples said, nah, I don't think it's a good idea to go back there. <coughs> Excuse me. Look with me. Um, in John chapter 8... Think about what it was I was going to bring up here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, let's start with 31. Jesus said to those Jews that believed on him, If you'll continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, they answered him. They said, We're Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. How can you say we shall be made free? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you. How many of you know he told the truth? Whoever commits sin is a servant of sin, and the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son does. If the son, therefore, will make, or shall make you free, you will be free indeed. Now listen to this. I know that you are Abraham's seed, listen, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. So in other words, he knows their intentions. And yet, man, he is in their grill. Tell them the truth, because he knows they can't touch him. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I have the power to pick it up, and I've got the power to lay it down. That is awesome. Such authority that Jesus had. And you know, whether you realize it or not, you have that same authority because the Lord is on your side. And he said, if God be for you, who can be against you? That's powerful. Yeah. Are you listening to me? Let's go on reading here because this is pretty good. Um, let's drop down to 43 for the sake of time. Why do you not understand my speech? Is it not because you cannot hear my word. Now listen to this. You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts or desires of your father you will do. Now listen, he gives us some insight here. He was a murderer from the beginning. Anybody remember the story of Cain and Abel? Guess what? Cain had help. Huh? He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Everybody say truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Everybody say thank God for the truth. See, that, that there, baby... That, that, that's the, the dividing uh, member 
is the truth of God's Word. You know, uh, to, to bring this thing to some kind of a close, people will hear this with regard to their personal life. They'll say, they'll hear, you're no good. Condemnation is huge when it comes to the tactics of the devil. Huh? Anything that he can do to destroy your self-esteem, he will do it. And he will not apologize for it. And he'll rub your face in the dirt and he will laugh while he's doing it. But here's the thing you need to understand. The Bible says that you and I are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. I'm his workmanship. Are you with me? So it isn't about my, you know, self-perceived goodness or, or badness or anything like that. It's all about him. And he redeemed me. So, you know, when you hear this statement, you know, that you're, not, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything. See, all of that, it's from hell. You are good. He made you good. You were created in righteousness and in true holiness. Hallelujah. You've got an inheritance that's coming your way. There are a lot of things, praise God. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing there is in heavenly places. He predestined you to be adopted into his family and become a son and daughter of God. So the next time the devil tells you you're no good or you don't deserve it or whatever the case, you may not deserve it. You probably don't. None of us do. But thank God he made it possible. Amen. You understand the, 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 the narrative and the line of thinking that is intended to oppress. And you say, well, what do I do? You resist it. You have to resist the devil. You say, I resist you in Jesus' name. Devil, you are a liar. I do not accept. I do not believe. Because you have no truth in you. But most people are clueless about what's going on in, the, in, in their lives about the warfare thing. You say, well, you know, you talk like this, it makes me spooked. You don't need to be spooked about anything. You just need to know the truth so that you can be free. Hallelujah. You know, people, you know, they'll hear stuff like, you'll, you'll never make it. You can't do it. You know, all of these different kinds of negative, 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 negative stuff. Chances are reasonably good it's from hell. You're not capable. You're, you're, you're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not good looking enough. You're not whatever. Anything that he can use to try to, to quarantine you, to isolate you, to, to, to stick you in a hole, you know, to pigeonhole you, he will do it. You know? There are so many things that people would like to do, dude, if they could just get past some of this stuff. I mean, man, it would be awesome to see what would happen in their life. Amen. Everybody say it together. The devil is a liar. You know, people say, well, you've been mistreated. Well, no, they, this is what they think. You've been mistreated. You know, you've been taken advantage of. You know, you've been victimized. I mean, whatever. And there may be some truth in these statements, you know, but the thing you have to understand is, is it's all couched within a lie. 
Yeah, maybe somebody did do you wrong. Chances are reasonably good. If you live in the world for, what, 10 minutes, uh, something's probably going to happen. But what, we're, what are we going to do? We're not just going to react, you know, and just go nuts. We're going to respond to it in a biblical kind of way, and we're going to rise above it. Thank God we do not have to live in the weak and the beggarly elements of this world, but thank God we can stand up, rise up, and live above the mess, the muck, the mire that the world is living in. And, but we have to be able to see. And not only that, but you have to believe what it is that God has said about you. Hallelujah. I tell you what, it's a game changer, man. Are you listening to me? Well, you're never going to make it. Nothing's ever going to change. That's the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. Huh? Glory to God. So anyway, i got to quit. That's the problem. That's what happens when I go on vacation. Don't preach for a while. Two hours would be great. Hallelujah. But anyway. Let's not play into the hands of the enemy, you guys. A lot of other things I'd like to share with you here about Jesus' is coming. and Well, maybe next week. How about that? So <clears throat> don't play into the hand of the enemy. Let's be wise, just like the Bible says. God wants us to deal wisely in the affairs of life. What is the wise thing to do? Huh? God wants to give you wisdom. Well, you know, I just got like three different offers in the mail for three different new charge cards. Okay, well, yeah. I may need to talk to you a little bit more. Um, is it wise? Well, you know, you can consolidate all your debts, you know, and move them over here, and then when you get all done, if you don't pay it off, then we'll just charge you 26%. It'll be awesome. I, you know, is that wise? You know? Now, if you uh, listen to the, who's the guru, the money guru? Ramsey. Yeah, you know, you probably just need to get your uh, grinder out and, you know, chew up most of them. Amen. You know, a, a, a card can be a real benefit to you, but you need to have it, not it have you. Just that, just that simple. You don't want to be paying late fees. You don't want to be paying interests, you know, at 20-some percent or whatever the case might be. You want to use it, but, but not, not everybody does that. I don't know what credit card. I think through this whole COVID thing, uh, banker, maybe you could help me. I mean, hasn't personal debt went like out the roof it went down tight yeah. well there you go so but see thank god you we don't have to live that way okay you say well i'm already in a mess god can fix that too he sure enough can and you listen to the guru some more and he'll tell you about the snowball effect is that what he calls it you know, and you have any of you, Dave Ramsey, have any of you? Surely you've heard of him. You know, if I had problems financially, dude, I'd be listening to that cat. And then I'd start doing what he told me to do. Because he's smart. You know? So, you know, for whatever. Now, if you don't want to be smart, you don't want to be wise, how about it? Amen. You know? My, my dad's gone, so, you know, I'm not trying to speak disparagingly of him at all, but it, it, 
it goes back to this issue. Um, <clears throat> my dad passed away of cirrhosis of the liver when he was 59. And uh, alcohol basically took his life. It was very much a part of his life. Uh, uh, a lot. Well, my mother was a very... Um, um, very um, unassuming, uh, very uh, quiet, um, just, um, she never had a license, she didn't drive, but you know, she, she understood her responsibilities in the context of raising her family and caring for them and you know, all of the things that are related to that. Well, somehow or another, she told me after, you know, uh, uh, my dad had passed away that at, on one occasion, and she didn't know anything about the finances of uh, their, their life. If you're a spouse and you don't know what's going on in your finances, go find out. Well, I don't want to know. Yes, you do. You know, what happens if something happens to her or him or whatever, you know? Some extra eyeballs on things wouldn't hurt a thing at all. My mom, she didn't know. Well, they got to having a conversation, and she, uh, one thing led to another, and pretty soon, this is in the latter years of their life, and she realized that uh, they were in debt up to their ears. And she just asked my dad, she said, how are we going to pay for all this? And he, this is what he said. He said, I don't know. Let somebody else figure it out. That's what he said. Well, it wasn't too long after that, he died. And guess who's got to figure it out? My mom. Now, as it turned out, they had a farm, an asset, you know, that they could use. And fortunately, she took about a third of that farm, and she uh, paid off all the debt, got rid of it, sold that piece of ground, and paid it all off, and had two-thirds of the farm that she would be able to live comfortably on. You know, with that and her Social Security and things like that, she, she got along fine. And we did some other things, you know, to help her out. And, and uh, we ended up helping her buy a duplex. I said, Mom, you need to buy this duplex because if you'll do that, then you won't have to pay a dime on the mortgage. You can let the person that's living next door, you can choose whoever that person is, and you won't have to pay a dime, you let them pay for it for you. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Matter of fact, they paid it off uh, at an accelerated rate because she had income to be able to do it. And all of a sudden, everything turned around for my mother. Are you listening to me? And I'm telling you, the same thing can happen to you. I'm talking about the whole snowball thing, you know? And um, so she could go out and eat shrimp any night she wanted to, praise God. She loved shrimp. It was awesome. So anyway, enough about all that. Did you get something out of tonight? Let's, let's understand who we're dealing with here when it comes to our lives. And, and the thing that the, the real um, segment or part that I, I wanted to uh, share with you that I didn't have a chance to tonight is the fact that he's a defeated foe. Okay? You know, you're not, well, I'm just fighting the devil. Well, you're wasting your time, dude. The battle already took place. He's under your feet. You just need to figure it out. Are you with me? But we'll talk about that some other time. Let's receive, uh, uh, let's, let's receive this by praying, and then we're going to take up an offering. How about that? Father, we love you, and we thank you for your truth. 
And Father, for every precious person here and those watching online, God, help us to be wise and understanding about what's going on in our lives. To not (coughs) play into the hand of the enemy. To not allow strife or unforgiveness or any of the things, Father, that are so often used as weapons. Father, help us not to allow the devil to weaponize these things against us. And I thank you, Lord God, for your mighty power in every one of our lives so that we can effectively, Father, do battle in a way, Father, that gives or grants us victory. You know, while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one's looking around, just no one looking around. You know, if if there's something that you recognize that you have yielded to that is not of God, and, and you just, you say, wow, how could I have not known this? Or how could I be so foolish or whatever? And you just, you're there and you say, you know, I want to do something about this. Let's do it now. Let's just do it now. So if you're that person, just slip your hand up toward heaven and just say, Father God, I want to thank you right now for your amazing grace in my life. And I want to deal with this issue, this door that I have opened. I want to close it. You know, I want to give the devil no place. If there's anyone here, just slip your hand up toward heaven. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Well, Father, I want to thank you for the shrewdness and the wisdom of every person here. Also, Father God, for those that are online. And God, as we choose to walk in the light of your word, I want to thank you, God, for your blessing that keeps us and sustains us every step of the way. And we thank you, Father, for your blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Praise God. Isn't God good? You want to receive an offering with me?